walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Excuse me. <clears throat> doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Amen. So church, this past April, we celebrated two years. Amen. When we give God praise, we celebrated two years. <laughs> through many dangers and through many obstacles, the Lord kept us. Amen. Uh, we know that it was not easy. There were many hardships. Uh, we had to, some of us dealt with sickness. Some of us dealt with many different adversities. But guess what? It was the Lord that kept us through each and every one of those things. We thank God that he continued to show himself faithful, loving, and true. He showed us how he was able, and he is able. He showed us that he's a deliverer, that he's able to open doors that seem closed. He's able to, to do things that were beyond our comprehension. And throughout all of those two years, he kept us together. Amen. Yes, some of us may have gone on, but we're here. Others have come to join us, and yet we're still here despite everything that came our way. And guess how else he kept us? Take a look at one another. Go ahead, take a look. It's all right. Turn around. Take a look at each other. It's all good. All right, now, picture in your mind those in your community who may not be here. Just think about it. 
And guess what? You can open up your phones. Go ahead and open up your phone. Go to your contact list. Just scroll through your contact list. It's all right. You won't get in trouble. Just take a minute. Are we good? So chances are, you may have looked at someone here. You may have thought about someone in your mind. You may have saw someone in your contact list. Chances are that someone here or someone there got on your nerves. <laughs> chances are at some point, oh man, it's real, that there was someone you looked at someone you thought about that offended you in such a way where you had to think about, Lord, is this really the person you want me to be in community with? There may have been someone that name that you recognized on your contact list and you said, Lord, this person said this and this person said that truly. I'm not sure if they even saved. How can it be that you want me to be in community with them? But I would hope at some point the Lord pressed upon your heart and he gave you confirmation in some shape, form, or fashion that we're the church, that the person you community with, they're the church, and that we have a responsibility in how we should treat and love one another. You see, we as believers have been given expectations on how we are to respond to each other. And it's not just when times are great. Yeah. When times are great, we can laugh and we can smile and we can joke with each other. But there are times that we may rub each other the wrong way. We may irritate one another. And God forbid we may hurt or offend each other. But it's in those times that we should not, not allow those things to fester mm. in our heart. It can have a negative impact on how we treat each other. It can have a negative impact on ourselves. And it can have a ne negative impact on the body of Christ as a whole. Allowing such things as bitterness and contempt to develop can harm the body and our witness of Jesus Christ. So rather than allowing these things to take root, the word of God gives us expectations as followers in Christ. We're commanded to treat each other with kindness, compassion, extending grace, offering forgiveness. And as we dive into the scriptures, we'll see how we are able to live and continue on even when it seems like the person we're in community with, they may hurt us or offend us. Those things that we are in fellowship and covenant with, they may rub us the wrong way. And we can, if we practice these expectations that the Lord gives us in his word, we can maintain unity. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about, uh, if I may take for a title on this afternoon, going from bitter to better, right. walking in community. Let us pray. Precious and all-wise God, we just give your name all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. Lord, we thank you, for you are good, and your truth endures to all generations. We thank you, precious Lord, for your word, for you tell us that man doesn't live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we pray, precious Lord, that you will once again just have your way in this place. Lord, let me decrease that you may increase, that I not speak my thoughts, my ways, my words, my opinions, my suppositions, Lord, but let everything be nothing but the truth of your word. Lord, we pray that as your word goes forth, that we could take your word and hide it in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. We give your name all of the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And we pray, Lord, that everything that is done and said once again, let it be done in decency and in order, that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So when we come to here, this, uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, history tells us that it was written to the church that was at Ephesus. It was a Grecian city that was a part of the Roman Empire. It was a, a harbor city, a, a place of major trade and business. And being that it was a part of Greece, uh, there was a huge influence of Greek mythology. It was also a center of pleasure, hedonism, and corruption. Some of you may remember in the book of Acts, around the 19th chapter, Paul ministered there, ministered there, and he caused quite a commotion. He preached the gospel message, and it challenged the thinking of the Jews and the Gentiles in that area. His teaching and preaching caused financial distress to those who looked to profit off of idols and idol worship. It was so much, so, it was so much of a commotion that they were ready to riot. They were ready to get Paul and throw him up out of there. They were saying, how could he be preaching that there is only one and true God in the name of Jesus Christ? But he preached a powerful message. And through that move of God, a church was birthed there. In the midst of paganism, in the midst of pride, in the midst of corruption and evil, God saved a people. And so to this church, Paul is writing this letter, and he's gave important tenets of the Christian doctrine. He told them now how we should as believers and how the church at Ephesus should live out their lives. In the early chapters, Paul lays out a beautiful foundation of the Christian faith. He gives a history lesson of the gospel and its purpose in mankind. He makes it especially personal with the readers of his letter. He says, yeah, you were deemed unworthy. Yes, you were deemed unclean. Yes, you were looked at as castaways. You were looked at as scoundrels, not worthy of any good thing. But now because of Christ's sacrifice and the preaching of the gospel to them, you are now a part of the Lord Jesus Christ church. Once idol worshipers, you lusted after the flesh. You looked to your own desires. You are hopeless in your own condition, but now you have been saved with a glorious gift of God to be saved by grace through faith, saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One, you were once dead in the trespasses of your sins, but now you have been made alive through Jesus Christ. So here when we come to the fourth chapter, we see Paul opens up with a specific emphasis on being unified. If you go back with me and look at verses uh, one through three, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, 
bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, remember, Ephesus had a whole lot of things going on. He had to remind the church there that, yes, you are saved. Yes, you have been made alive with Christ, but not only you, but so has your neighbor. You see, before, your, before their salvation, their neighbor may have had drama, like some of us, amen? amen. They, have may, they may have been in sin together. They may have been at odds against one another. Some of them may have cheated, one, uh, cheated the other, treated the other fairly. The list goes on and on. But who they were is not who they were now. He's reminding the church of Ephesus that though they may have been fighting against each other, that now they are together fighting the good fight of faith as fellow believers. See, God has no respect of person. So whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, whether you were male or female, servant or master, in Christ you are all one body of baptized believers. So just as there is unity and harmony in God, we see that there is unity and harmony that should be in his church. Because in Ephesians 4 and 7 he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So as God was bringing together a church of people with different backgrounds, ethnicities, upbringing, social and economic status, calling people out of their various sins, the expectation was for them to turn away from all of that and turn to and trust in him, Jesus Christ, to grow and flourish in the love that God, that Christ uh, gave unto them. You see, in Ephesians 4 and 15, it says, and through 16, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, this is important for us even today, church. Because like the church at Ephesus, we're coming together from different backgrounds. We're coming together from different walks of life. But unity is not something that is carried out if, it is not come, if, it, if we're not coming together as one. You see, we now live and we serve in community together, so we are to walk in unity. And that might mean learning and enduring things about each other that may rub some of us the wrong way. You know, there's an old thought that no one can hurt you or offend you like family. And then there's another thought that says you don't, you can't, or we don't choose our own family. And because of those hurts, because of those offenses, many people, when they get older or self-sufficient, they tend to separate themselves from the family which you would, in which they were brought up. But guess what, church? Guess who we are now? Guess where we are now? We're in family. Amen. We're part of a family. And it seems that sometimes, just like our natural family, we may, get, we may be at odds against each other. We may not see things eye to eye. We've opened ourselves up to one another. We've allowed ourselves to be vulnerable. We've allowed ourselves to trust in one another. But sometimes it, 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 we, we, we may allow our, our flesh to, uh, like I said, rub some of us the wrong way. Some of us, we may just get offended by what the others may do or what the others may say. But rather than run from one another, 
God teaches us that we are to serve and treat one another uh, in love to stay together so that we can stay unified. So he does that through Paul by reminding us of one, who we used to be and what we are no longer. You see, when we look at Ephesians 4 and 31, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. You see, these feelings and actions can be destructive to a congregation. It's interesting when you even look at that, how he orders them. It's almost like a chain reaction. He says, you don't, I mean, just think about this. You don't like what someone did or they said. Next thing you know, you're pondering on it. Next thing you know, you're rehearsing it in your mind. It makes you feel some kind of way. You get angry. You, get, you feel animosity. You start to feel resentful. It burns within you. And so then the next thing you know, you start lashing out in various ways. You protest everything the person does. Everything the person does or says is wrong. They can't do nothing right. They can't say nothing right. They, uh, they, 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 they try to say hello. That's not even right. They try to give you a hug. They, wrong, they hugged you the wrong way. Everything they do and say now, it seems like what, what, what could have been interpreted for good, now it seems like it's meant to hurt you. But you don't stop there. You start looking for what we used to call in our old church committees to form but not the uh, regular committees that we're used to, not the, not the choir committee, not the evangelism committee, but the committee to get someone on my side against this brother or sister. We're hurt, we wanna make sure other people know it. We feel some kind of way, we wanna make sure that they hurt like they, they hurt like we're hurting. All of this to cause someone harm, but in doing this, we're not just causing harm to that individual. We're harming ourselves. We're harming the body. And it all starts with being bitter. That's why we're warned in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 14 and 15, to not allow a seed of bitterness to take root. The writer of Hebrews says a seed of bitterness, when it springs up, it causes trouble. So we see Paul repeats these same warnings to the, to the church at uh, at Colossia, when he says, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put it on and have put on the new life. Peter gives similar warnings in 1 Peter 2 and 1 when he says, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Paul says to put these things away. Peter says to put these things away. Why? Because they are no longer who we are as Christians. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You see, before Christ, that's who we were. Our hearts were cold. 
We were selfish. It was all about what we want, what we need, how we feel, how others feel about us, what we like, what makes us feel good. We were prideful, egocentric, and narcissistic. We were working to appease our flesh. And as Galatians 5 and 19 tells us, the works of the flesh are evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. We were a mess, prone to messy behavior. But thanks be to God, that's not who we are anymore. You see, when we scroll down a little further and we look at Ephesians 20, starting at verse 20, it says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We're to take off those old filthy garments, take off those rags filled with holes, and put on the new fresh pressed outfits, put on our church clothes. But our church clothes is not what's on the outside. It's not a nice fancy suit or a nice towel, a tuxedo, a nice long dress. But putting on our church clothes is what is on the inside. Because what we're putting on is we're wearing the newness that is in Christ Jesus. We don't think like we used to. We're not guided by our flesh like we used to. Our flesh doesn't guide our thoughts and our actions, but the word of God does. We don't think on those things that make us bitter. But as Philippians 4 says, we think on those things that are true. We think on those things that are honorable. We think on those things that are just. We think on those things that are pure. We think on those things that are lovely. We think on those things that are commendable. Those things that are excellent. Those things that are worthy of praise. Those are the things that we think about. Because we are being transformed. Colossians 1 and 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We're being transformed, saints. I used to love uh, the comic book and the cartoon growing up. Y'all may remember Transformers, right? Transformers more than meets the eye. Transformers, robots in disguise. But we're not like the cartoons. Yes, we are more than meets the eye, but we're not in disguise. We're not hiding in plain sight. See, the Transformers, they would come, they would save the day, then they would transfer back and go back into hiding. But we're not hiding out. Our transformation isn't a back and forth type of thing. But rather, uh, even more, we're not going from unsaved to saved and back to unsaved, back to saved, back to unsaved, back to saved. No, our transformation is permanent. We're not Transformers. We are transformed. And part of our transformation deals with how we think. Romans 12 and 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. And it is not the will of God that we allow anger, wrath, bitterness, clamor, 
slander, or malice to operate in our midst. Because we have been given the word of God, and that word of God is on the inside of us. Y'all know 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3? It says, put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. Like newborn babies long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. James 1.21 also says, therefore put away what? All filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That word that is operating in us, that word is, is, is active and it is alive. Y'all know the scripture that tells us in Hebrews, the word of God is living and it is active. That word that is in us is living. It is moving. It is breathing. It is having its work in us. The word of God that we read about is not just pages, empty pages, dead pages in a book, but is pages of life. Pages that is able to transform our mind. Pages that is able to keep us from falling. Pages that is able to direct us and show us how to love one another. Pages that is able to show us how to, to, to be gracious and to, how to, to extend grace to one another. Pages that is showing us how to continue to walk in unity. Amen. All of this is through the word of God. So because we have received the word... Because we have received his word and we, have, uh, we are now saved, we are new creations. That enables us to be kind to one another, as it says in verse 32. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. See, that's why we, uh, that's why we, as, uh, we, we put on uh, kindness and tenderheartedness and, 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 and humility and all of these different things, we put them on because we are no longer being led by the flesh, but we are being led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8 and 14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So when we walk in the Spirit, we're not fulfilling the works of our flesh. We are not gratifying the desires of our flesh. So because we have become transformed, because we are new in Christ, because we, we are what God has now made us and created us to be, and because we are walking in the Spirit, we also now see that we are bringing about the fruit of the Spirit. Some of the fruit, if you look at it, is the same thing that, that Paul reminded us about in, in verse 32. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. You see, we are able to do and perform the things in verse 32 rather than the things in verse 31 because of the word of God that is inside of us, because of the spirit of God that is leading us. So that's why when Paul says, be kind, he expects us to be kind. When he tells us to be tenderhearted, he expects us to be compassionate. When he tells us to be forgiving, he's expecting us to what? To forgive others. 
You see, he's not just making a declaration, but he's commanding us, this is who you are. It's not a suggestion. Don't act like it, but be it, because it is who you are right now. Being kind, being tenderhearted, being forgiving is all parts of love. 1 Corinthians 13 starts, verse 4 says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. All of that, all of all that we talk about in verse 32 is rooted and founded in love. And when we look further at what Love is. We can just look at 1 John verse 4 through 7 to 8. It says, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So we see that God is love. We see that because we have been saved through his word, we have received love. We see that in Jesus Christ, there is nothing but love. When we look back at the Gospels, we see how he gave his love when he walked here on this earth. We see in spite of how he was treated by the masses, yet he still gave love. He was kind when those were unkind to him. He was compassionate when there were those around him that were, that were cold-hearted. He was forgiving to those even when there were those that wanted those, those that were in sin, they wanted them stoned, but yet he was forgiving. We see that he was walking in love and showing us in the way that we should walk. In, 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 in doing these things, we are fulfilling the word of God by uh, being imitators of God that we are walking in love. All of this helps us maintain unity with one another. All of this helps us to let go of bitterness and let love abide. Where bitterness will guide us to be vengeful, love will guide us to be kind. Where bitterness would guide us to be cold and callous, love will guide us to be compassionate and tender-hearted. Where bitterness would guide us to cause protest and slander, love would guide us to speak the truth with one another according to the word. So rather than forming committees where corrupt communications may take place, we'll follow the practices that is in the word of God. Matthew 18 tells us that if a brother sins against you, you go and tell him his fault between what? You and him alone. And then if he doesn't listen, then you take two or one or two with you. And then if he doesn't even do that, then you bring it to the church. Or if you even believe that you may have offended your brother, you can look at Matthew 5 and 23, and where it tells you to go and leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother and be reconciled. The bottom line is, is that we have here a model to forgive one another, even though we may rub us the wrong way, even though we may offend one another, even though sometimes uh, the offense may not even be there. It may even be in our own minds, but rather we're not to hold these things against us. The word of God gives us a recipe and instructions and how to allow and, and how to move past these things so that we can come together and walk in unity so that we won't cor allow corrupt conversation to come out of our mouths, but rather that which is good for the building up as fits the occasion. 
You see, all of this is building us up in unity. All of this is showing the world what it truly means to be the church. You see, when we go out in coffee and combo, we hear it all the time through our evangelism efforts. Let's say, look, I tried the church. Church folk, are, church folk are unloving. Church folk are mean. Church people are uncaring. Church people hurt you, but not the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because truly, the real church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a loving people. Amen. It's a kind people. It's a loving people. Why? Because he is loving. We're kind people. Why? Because he is kind. We're compassionate people. Why? Because he is compassionate. And we are forgiving people. Why? Because he is forgiving. How, we do, how do we know these things? Because of all the things, all of these things are rooted and found in the gospel message by which we were saved. All of these things are found in the gospel by which we have been forgiven because of Jesus Christ. All of these things we can find because of we see how he rescued us from our sins and he brought us to the newness of life. You see, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We lived in sin. We deserved punishment. We deserved God's wrath. If anyone had a right to be bitter, God should have been bitter with us for how we treated him as we thought we were big and bad enough to do anything that pleased our hearts. But we thank God for his love towards us. That even though we were living in opposition to him, he still yet remained holy and loving and caring for his people, for his creation. It was his love that through Jesus Christ, he came to, he came to earth and was born in flesh. But even though he walked in flesh, he didn't walk in sin. He faced all types of accusations reviled, but yet he still shown kindness, despised and rejected, but he still showed compassion. He took our sins, he took our faults, he took our transgressions, and he gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He did what we could not do, he did what we did not deserve, and he took it all upon himself so that he would be crucified on a cross and gave his life so that we can be reconciled back to the Father. All of these things was rooted and grounded in love. And we thank God that it is because of that, because of his sacrifice, that we can receive forgiveness from God. Amen. I like how the King James Version, it says, for Christ's sake, we have received forgiveness. So it was for Christ's sake that God would forgive us. It was for Christ's sake that God would not pour out his wrath upon us. And it was for Christ's sake that God raised him from the, dead, from the grave with all power, conquering sin and death forevermore. It was for Christ's sake that now we can be made holy. It was for Christ's sake that now we can be made alive in Christ. It was for Christ's sake that we don't have to be bitter, but we can be better. Amen. Where we were once hurtful, we're now kind because of Christ. Where our hearts were cold and hardened, they are now warm and tender because of Christ. Where we would look to hurt or harm or make others feel pain like we feel, we now look to love and heal and forgive all because of Christ. You see, without Christ, we can put on a front to be these things. We can act like these things. We can act kind. We can act like we're compassionate. We can act like we're forgiving. But it won't be who we are without Christ. Unless you have Jesus Christ, you cannot truly be, go from bitter to being better. 
And that's why we are so thankful for the gospel message, that we can repent and turn away from our sins, turn away from this sinful world, and turn to Christ with saving faith, believing that he is God, and that his son, that he, God the Son, who died on the cross for our sins, is now alive because God raised him from the dead. So we can go from being bitter in our flesh and better because of Christ. That will help us maintain unity as we strive for more years together as a church, not just as a unity as a local church, but even as God may call us elsewhere, we'll maintain unity as a church at large. Just as God extended his grace towards us, we'll learn to extend grace to one another. Because it was grace that we are, because of grace we are saved and not of our own works. You see, all of these things help us maintain unity. A few weeks ago, Pastor Josh preached a message and he said something along the lines of Natasha. She, she's been quoting it for a few weeks now, so she may know it verbatim, but he said something along the lines that the, the path to unity starts with humility. So if you think about it, all of this is walking in humility. For Christ to take on sinful flesh, that was humility. For Christ to take heat and static from his own creation, that was humility. For Christ to die, not for any wrong he did, but because of the wrong of his creation at the hands of his creation, that took humility. Our road to salvation was based on humility. And our road through salvation calls for humility. So through these things, we can walk in unity and go from being bitter to better. I like to end on 1 Peter verse 3, 8 through 9, and it reads as follows. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Amen. 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 As our worshiping team, as our worship leader, rather, prepares to come back up, let's have a moment of prayer. Amen. And we'll turn the service back into her hands. Precious and wise God, we just thank you once again. Lord, we thank you for your word, and your word is true. Lord, we are thankful for your saving grace. For when we were out in this world, living a life that was in opposition to you, living a life that was deserving of your wrath, you still called us and called us out of sin into your marvelous light. And we are just so grateful for your loving kindness and your tender mercy towards us. And Lord, as we walk in your grace, as we walk in your mercy, as we walk in your loving kindness, Lord, we pray that you can help us to also extend that same loving kindness, extend grace, be compassionate to our neighbor, to one another, Lord. Lord, we're grateful that it is you that has allowed us to be sustained for two years. And our hope, Lord, is as long as you will it, Lord, that CHCC 
will continue on in love, continue on in kindness, continue on in compassion, continue on in forgiveness, Lord, so that even when many of us, Lord, may have been called back home, Lord, those that come after, Lord, will continue to show what it truly means to be a Christian. We give your name all of the praise, all the glory, and all the honor.